Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com Giants reporter. And we're here with the Victory Fun Day episode. Justin Pugh, the Giants left guard now, is going to come on and talk to us in a bit. But the reason we're doing a Victory Fun Day episode is because when you go through a season like this, okay, they're 2-8 and eight going into the game against Washington. It's a total disaster. The quarterback's injured. Everyone's been injured. The quarterback tore his knee. Uh, their top off-season off acquisition, Darren Waller, he's out with a hamstring injury. What was the concern with him coming in? Obviously, injury is his hamstring. Offensive line's been a total mess for most of the year. It's in the best shape it's been now. I've said that for now for a couple weeks now. It's been the best shape it's been in this season. There's no doubt in my mind at this point. And I know they give up nine sacks in this win over Washington, but they beat Washington, okay? 31 to 19. It's a holiday week, Thanksgiving. We're just going to enjoy this. We'll talk later. We have six more weeks after this, six more games, seven more weeks, actually, because the Giants have a bye week, to talk about whether it hurts for them to win down the stretch or, you know, who should play quarterback. But let's enjoy it for now. Tommy DeVito, great story. Undrafted rookie, New Jersey kid, Italian. You know, everybody who lives in Jersey knows 100 Tommy DeVito. I do, right? That's the beauty of it. He looks like he could be me and you. He's not especially big. He's not especially imposing. He didn't have a great college career. But for him to come in and have some success, it's a fun little story. And he was pretty good the other day. Yes, he took nine sacks. A whole bunch of them were on him. He holds the ball a long time. I'm not sure, you know, he exactly knows what he's seeing on the field just yet, right? It's almost like if he could bide some time and move around, he could sling it around the yard. But can he really? what can he really see on the field? Anyway, he played really well the other day. Made some big-time plays. Three touchdown passes. He now has five touchdown passes in his first two starts. That's the most for any Giants quarterback since – Starters started being tracked in 1950. So sit back and enjoy it for a minute. All right, cool little Tommy DeVito story going on. Giants win. They own Washington. The commanders stink. If they think, by the way, that Sam Howell is the guy that they they need to build around and then that's their quarterback for the future, that's good for the Giants and the rest of the NFC East. Because let me tell you, Sam Howell, he's not your guy. He's kind of in that Daniel Jones bandwagon boat where – if you build around him, like maybe you could win, but you need the perfect team around him. He's not going to lift everybody else up. And if I'm building a team, I don't really necessarily, in my, my future or my jobs on the line, want to start with either of them. Now, can you win with them? Are they fine? That's a different story. And then Sam Howell could throw the ball, but not, not going to be good enough to, to win anything serious around. Just the same way as Daniel Jones, probably not going to be good enough to win anything serious. So both these teams need quarterback. In the meantime, enjoy it. Enjoy that game. I mean, DeVito made some big throws. That first touchdown throw to Saquon Barkley, perfectly placed. Hit him in stride. How about this also? And this makes me think, I I wonder, like, 
are the Giants using, and I don't think Saquon's a special receiver, but that's the first time he's caught a pass 10-plus yards downfield. He's only been targeted before that play once, actually twice, because I, I should take that back. He only had one target of 10-plus yards downfield prior to this game, and it was on a scramble play with Tyrod Taylor. First drive, again, scramble play. DeVito hits him, 21-yard gain. That's his first catch this year on a pass 10-plus yards downfield. The first design play that they even throw to Saquon Barkley 10-plus down, yards downfield is the wheel route touchdown later in the first quarter. And even after the game, Saquon says, no, that wasn't really in the game plan to just to use him much more in the pass game that we want to exploit Washington. No, he says, no, you know, the running game wasn't working. I was telling him on the sideline, we need more. We need more. Let me let me help. Let me help. Ask Brian Dable the day after, you know, how come we haven't seen more? Is this, was this a, a game plan specific thing? No, no, they poo-poo that again. So just head scratching. Like, man, look at their receivers right now. We're back to last year's receiving core, by the way, if you think about it, with Jalen Hyatt added to the mix. And Darren Waller out, and we're, they're not trying to use Saquon Barkley more as a, a receiver in those matchups down the field, get him out into the slot against corners. I mean, so not not against corners. You don't want him against corners. That's not a great matchup. Against linebackers and safeties, that should be those should be matchups the Giants are trying to exploit. Now, maybe if a team has a great safety, a really good cover safety, that's not a great matchup for them. But there has to be matchups where you want to get Saquon Barkley the ball as a receiver. When your receiving core, quite frankly, is just pedestrian, right? Isaiah Hodgins, Sterling Shepard, who's, you know, a shell of his former self at this point, can still play, but he's not Sterling Shepard from three, four, five years ago. Your number one receiver is still Darius Slayton. Had a good game the other day, by the way, but then got injured. The only real addition is Jalen Hyatt. And then what do you have? Daniel Bellinger, he's fine. You know, you could scheme some plays to him. He'll catch the ball, but he's not a guy who's going to win. And you don't want to use Saquon Barkley more as a receiver? Kind of makes me scratch my head a little bit. But let's get back to the point. We're going to enjoy that win, at least for this podcast episode. Because we can't sit here every week. For my own sanity, I can't sit here every week and go over all the problems that are still there with this team. To go over that, they they need to draft a quarterback high in the draft if that opportunity comes, right? Uh, it'll benefit them to lose. Like We all know that. We've talked about that. We're going to talk about it plenty more moving forward. But in the meantime, let's enjoy this week where we could talk about a Giants victory at least. And let's do it with one of their offensive linemen. On to the next one. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. All right, let's bring on Justin Pugh, left guard for the New York Giants, left tackle as well. Played right tackle back in the day for the New York Giants. He's played right guard for the New York Giants. So everywhere but center at this point, right? Did you exactly? Right you got right I, guard I, in, right? Somewhere. I didn't play any right guard for the Giants. I played right guard for the Cardinals. The Cardinals had me getting center center reps. So I've played effectively every position in the NFL. I haven't played center in a game. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, man of multiple talents, right there. There you go. But uh, what's it like? I mean, being back in New York, right? Being back with the team that actually drafted you in the first round. You probably thought at some point it was going like that was the end, and now, now you're back again. Yeah, obviously, when you leave in free agency, you think it's the end. There was a little bit of a sour taste there when you leave the Giants. And you, I wanted to stay. I wanted to be a New York Giant for life. Um, but it's made me grateful. It's made me grateful to come back and be back a part of this organization, to be around you know these fans and, and be back on the team. Obviously, the season's not going the way. We want it to go, but we're starting to, to build that foundation for what's next and, and figure out who's going to be a part of that going forward. We'll get to we'll get back to that about the end of the first time around because that, that actually just piqued my interest a little bit. But let's talk about we're sitting here, we're taping on Monday morning, right? How big a win was that for you guys to get on Sunday in Washington? It was huge. Obviously, the last win we had was against Washington as well. We had some close games throughout this stretch. And just just seeing the ball go in the hole, you know, it's whether it's a basketball reference, a golf reference, seeing a win and getting that feeling in the locker room and that morale just just continues to build confidence. And confidence is such a major component when it comes to the NFL. So getting a win is huge. We have another huge game coming up this week against the Patriots. If we can get two wins in a row going into the bye week. I think everyone will feel pretty good about themselves. So when you went in this morning, right? You went in on Monday. You said you did your your lifting. You, you did. You met with your position coach, right? What what was the, what was the difference between a Monday? Give us a difference, a little feel of a Monday. Let's say this week, or like after one of the losses the past few weeks. <laughs> Everything ends, but we won. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you look at the good plays, and you're like, "All right, good, we won." And you go in and you really look at the plays you, you had issues on and you try to fix those because clearly the, the next opponent will be watching the negative plays and figure out what could go, what they could do to attack the the team they're playing. So the Patriots are watching, you know, the Cowboys film and now the, the Commanders film to see how they're going to attack the New York Giants. And this game was, you know, there was some bittersweetness to it because we didn't play as great as we would want to as an offensive line. Um, you know, it was boom or bust. We were making big plays, getting 20, 20 yard chunk plays, and we were having negative yardage plays, whether it be at a sack or a negative yard run. Um, but at the end of the day, we won. It is hard to win in the NFL. Our defense and special teams carried us yesterday. The offense did enough to win the game. I would have loved to have finished with the ball in our hands, but you know, we have things to, to get better with to, to correct first time. I think all season having the same offensive line back to back weeks. So we're we're trending in the right direction. Uh but the amazing part to me is the way you're describing it there, you almost don't even let it sit and like enjoy it the day later. Like twenty four hours later, you're already, you know, looking to corrections and fixing and moving on. Yeah, it's it, it's a twenty four hour rule either way. So you catch me 
on a loss or a win 24 hours later, we're moving on. You can't dwell on it. It's the same with a bad play. First play of the game, I come out and I over I overreach Jonathan Allen. I screw JMS, our starting center. We have a negative blow-up play. The coaches are getting, you know, what, what, what happened there? What happened, guys? And I'm just like, hey, bad plays are going to happen. I said this to you, I think, Jordan, when I first re-signed with the team. I'm going to get the quarterback hit. I'm going to have right. bad plays. We have to forget them and move on. Now, we had too many negative plays in this past game. Regardless, forget it and move on. Get to the next play. Get to the 20-yard chunk run. Get to the touchdowns. Get to Tommy DeVito doing all the things the right way and putting us in a position to be successful. Those are the ones you have to continue to grow on and, and limit those negative plays. Yesterday was the worst game I played all season, but we forget it and we move on. Why do you say that? Because you can't let it roll into the next. You know, Jonathan I mean, Allen. Why do you say it was the oh, worst game? Why, why, you know, why, I was on the edge. I was on edge too much. I Offensive line isn't about just doing your job. It's about helping your buddy do his job and then getting your job done as well. And if all five guys do that, you're going to have success. And yesterday I was, I was a little bit on edge too much. I had some good plays, but Jonathan Allen, he, you know, he made some plays. I got, I have to limit that. That is my job to, to take guys like that out of the game. And I pride myself on pass protection. And there was a few times I was on edge where, you know, I, I can't be, and I'm, some technique things that I can correct. It's all things that I can correct, and I'm looking forward to practice on Wednesday. To be honest, he's a pretty darn good player, though. Yeah. yeah, there's a reason he's making. I was joking with the guys <laughs> like he's making twenty plus million dollars. I'm I'm making the twentieth of that. So like, yeah, he, he probably should get me once in a while. But <laughs> I pride myself on not getting beaten. Obviously, I did yesterday, so correct it and, and get better from it. You still won by production per dollar. There you go. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we're gonna put if we're gonna put some type of a Wall Street term on it, maybe yeah. So you brought up Tommy DeVito. I'm curious what you guys think is in the locker room about the whole Tommy DeVito story. I, you actually, let me preface it with this. When I first told you, I can know if I was first writing the story about him living at home and how I thought it was, you know, a really cool thing that NFL players starting quarterback the Giants was at home, you had no idea. Literally none at the time. No idea. No idea. So what does everybody think of the Tommy DeVito story right now? It's sort of picking up steam week by week. Every time he has a little more success, you know, the whole Italian guy, New Jersey. It just, it it just seems like so appropriate for. I mean, you know what Jersey's like. I've been. I'm a New Jersey guy. I lived here all my life. I know hundreds of Tommy DeVitos. You know what I mean? But he he think? represents every little boy, every family, every Sunday dinner. There was a Tommy DeVito sitting at that table. So you get goosebumps because for this fan base, there couldn't be a more perfect guy to play quarterback, and he has embraced it. And it's not even he's not he's not putting on a show. He's not changing who he is. He's being authentically Tommy DeVito. And people love that. And when you are true to who you are, people see that. And all the little all the little uh, nuances from like his little celebration that he did that went viral to, <laughs> you know, him talking about it. You noticed that at the time. We were trying to figure out, a, we, we need some recommendations from folks on what are some good Italian celebrations we can do. So if there's anyone out there, I know we're, we're searching for him. But it, it is perfect. I love sitting front row. I, I got to see him play at Syracuse. Obviously, he was a Syracuse guy, then transferred. Um, it's unbelievable that I'm getting the chance to, to play with him now. I'm just excited for what the future holds for him. It's He's, he's still so young. He's getting better and better every week. Um, so we'll just continue to enjoy the ride. You're a big business guy, right? Business and sports. You have your own podcast, Net Worth, with Justin Pugh. Everybody like, subscribe, tell your friends. Uh, it's available on all podcast platforms. 
but you're big on the business side of it, right? That you, you like you like to talk about that. You like to think about that kind of stuff. I told yeah. Tommy, uh, you know, we were talking about it. The whole, you know, make your own bed, living at home. I told him basically he should lean into it hard. Like his room at home should look like when coming to America when they transform the apartment. Do you know the scene I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah, yeah. That's like basically what his room should look like by the time this is done. That he should lean heavily into it and take full advantage. Like, give me ways that as an athlete from a business side perspective, you would look at it and say, okay, how can we take advantage of this? It's hot right now. Where's the business? Uh... Well, you're getting some type of sponsorship. I don't know if that, you know, who that's with, whether it's like a home furniture company, whether that's with like a, I'm, I'm le- I would lean more into the Italian roots, like partnering with like a Reos and a sauce for the Sunday sauce. We should be having our O-line dinner at his parents' house. It should be sponsored by somebody. Um, <laughs> I really just think it's it, there's endless opportunities. And then, you know, like the Chunky's Campbell Soup, how they do that with moms and sons. Him and his mom should lean into maybe like a, a Sunday sauce or a Rayo's marinara sauce, whatever that is. There is just so much support in that community. And my wife, you know, I'm not Italian, um, but my wife is and my in-laws are. Family is so important. So I think Tommy just embodies that. And it's it's really showing in the way that teammates are rally, rallying around him right now. Do you sense that guys really understand the full, like, depth of his story? Like, the idea, like, you get it. You're kind of from the area. Like, you're from, uh, you know, the Philly area, so it's close enough. You, you've lived here for a long time. Do you think guys who are just new to the area really understand it? They don't understand it. They don't <laughs> understand how much this means to the community. And then there's, I'm seeing, like, jokes on, on, on all the social media platforms. I'm seeing, you know, there's, like, some comedians that are, you know, very, very Italian- rooted and seeing them come out with with some of these skits is I saw the one with him. Un, unbelievable the one with the, the guy pretending he's him and then the, the brother or it might even be yeah doing the, the pretending he's uh zach wilson or something yeah it's uh but it's, it's crazy though i mean it's it, it puts into perspective how well he's playing there's a bunch of other rookies that are playing this year at a high level but there's some second year, third year guys that Tommy is is going out and he's he's playing really well and he's outperforming as of, as of this moment. Um, it goes back to the philosophy of he's gonna he's gonna make the most of this opportunity. I think it even goes back to the preseason. I wasn't around for it, but his demeanor and he carries himself like a starting quarterback, whether he's the third guy in the preseason game or he's starting against you know the Washington Commanders on Sunday in, in an NFL game. I think that is the demeanor that you have to play with, and I love that he's maximizing his opportunity. I'm curious. You you come back. Uh, when did you leave? You left after 17? 17. Okay. Yeah. So you leave for six years. You five. Back 17 to 23. My math real quick said six, but I get it. Five seasons, right? Yeah. Uh, you come back. You know, obviously knew everything there. You know, regime, people, players. But what what has been the biggest difference for you, and that you've noticed that with the Giants organization? Um, it's, it's it's a lot about tradition with the New York Giants. It's why I love playing here. It's why I love being a part of this organization. A lot of familiar faces in the auxiliary staff when it comes to the training room equipment. Strength staffs a little different, um, but just how they continue to go about their business. It's it's not much is different. Obviously, head coaches, players are all different. But what I actually love is how much is still the same and how much that tradition carries over. 
So it's something that's very unique to this organization. It's, it's, it's a part of the reason why I love it so much. You left the first time. You mentioned this before, and it's actually made me think about it. And it, well, you said it was a little sour on the way out. You wanted to come back. They didn't really want you. I believe that was when Gettleman had just arrived, right? Yes. Correct on that? Okay. But at the same time, I remember on your way out the door, they, the organization kind of uh, anonymously crapped on you a little bit. You know, basically it happened. Look, you're not alone in this. Guys get injured. They basically leave. They, they get called soft basically for being injured or missing games. What was that like for you? And 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 how did you reconcile and basically still want to come back years later? That 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 kind of interests me when you said that earlier. Yeah, that's the business of sports, and I've I've learned to love and lean into that. Like, if if you want a guy like me and the Giants had talks, like Jerry Reese had offered me a contract to stay a Giant for the rest of my career. It wasn't anywhere near what market rate was at the time, and it was in a season leading into my fifth year option. I chose to bet on myself, play out my fifth year option. Obviously, have an injury. I I say this to everybody. People want to put injury labels on me and things like that. Look at my draft class. Tell me how many offensive line men from my draft class have played more games than me. Maybe maybe there's a few, two or three. You have like guys like David Bakhtiari, but like I've played 125, started 125 meaningful football games in my career. So when the injury card came out, I was like, look, this is part of the business. You obviously don't want the value to be as high for one of your guys because you want to get him for cheaper. And it's part of the game. And and I didn't know Dave Gettleman, and I still don't know Dave Gettleman, uh, but he had a philosophy. And he, if I was the GM, I would do exactly what Dave Gettleman did. He had a plan. He was going to draft Saquon, put out massive offensive linemen, run the ball, play great defense, and win games. Obviously, he made a couple errors within there, but he did draft some really good players. Guys that are on this team now that are making impacts are, are Jerry Reese guys, or not Jerry Reese, are Dave Gettleman guys. Um, so I can't fault him. Obviously, he's young. He tried, he tried, but he just couldn't build up that offensive line. He made some big mistakes there. Nate Solder was one that absolutely. Yeah, and I think if you look at the offensive line that we had in place, the offensive line that we had in place that all kind of were let go through that regime all went on and played and signed big contracts elsewhere mm-hmm. from left to right. Eric Flowers signed a big deal. He was a starting guard in the NFL for the last few years and making big money. I, I went and signed with the Cardinals. Weston Richburg went and signed. Bobby Hart got a deal. So there was some good players there. I think there is a pressure of playing in New York that gets to a lot of people. I almost feel like when you draft an offensive lineman or, or someone at that position – you should maybe redshirt a year in New York City because you have to learn how to to be a pro in New York, which is harder than places like Arizona, for example. Mm-hmm. And how did you do that? Like, when do you when did you think you kind of like learned? Right, you you came and it was the end of the kind of Super Bowl era, right? You there was still Snee was around at the time. Booth, Snee, Deal, Deal, Kevin Booth? Boss, Kevin, uh, David Boss, David Kevin Boss. Booth. Um, David Boss did. David Boss did. He, did he even play with you guys? Yeah, he had hurt his neck going into my rookie year, so he didn't play. Oh, no, um, Kareem so I, McKenzie was I around a few games into that season. That's so why I never actually even met David Boss. Yeah, so I literally was around for all the the old Super Bowl winning offensive linemen, and that whole year, my rookie year, it was almost like those guys all were dropping. Like they were having injury issues. It was just an end of an error, and we didn't replenish the offensive line from that standpoint. 
And that was probably the downfall of my five-year tenure. We never got that offensive line back to where we needed to be. And, you know, it's we had some talent. We did some, we did some good things. We had a, a playoff run there. We had some, you know, fought through adversity at times. We started out my rookie year 0-6, ended up 7-9, and almost making the playoffs. But um, you look at it from a 50,000-foot view, and you look at an organization like the New York Giants, how many fan bases would kill to be the New York Giants? To have four Super Bowls. Oh, absolutely. To be in this market. Right across the street. Are you kidding me? Nine, so I just six, think you have nine. to look at it like Giannis Antetokounmpo came out and had a great clip. And and Coach coach showed us his clip last week. And it's basically, like, if you don't win a Super Bowl, the season isn't a failure. So the way I'm looking at the seasons we don't win a Super Bowl or go to the playoffs is we're building for that one day. Obviously, we've had a rinse and repeat cycle a few times. That's not what we want. But we have to continue to build the foundation for the teams that are coming after us to be successful and to carry on that tradition. So whether we don't win the, the amount of games to go to the playoffs or not, we still have to do things the giant way because the giant being a giant means something for, for life. Did you have a welcome to New York moment where you kind of learned what it's all about? I kind of just got handed the baton from guys like Snead, Deal, Booth, and... I, you see when you interact with people how much this organization means to the community. And it's something that I don't take lightly. I, I try to represent the organization and be the best man, player, whatever it is, off the field that I can be because it, there's just something about this city and this environment that that is special. And, and you can't recreate it anywhere else. Well, I've told the story on the podcast several times already. The, or, you know, the I hate Philly headline and you didn't talk to me for, I don't know, a year or so, basically. <laughs> How pissed were you when that happened? And did you ever really get over it? It was always, it made the Philly game more than it needed to be. So it just, I had an answer from my mom's a sixth grade teacher in the Philadelphia area. So let's preface this by saying I love the city of Philadelphia. I do. I just where I'm from. It's, it's the story was about how you love. You know, you're from Philly. You're still Philly, but you said the the quote you used was, "I hate Philly." Meaning, I hate the Eagles, right? Because yeah. you had learned at that point to hate the Eagles. But the headline, as I've mentioned, and I took the blame for this, was "I hate Philly." So obviously, it didn't go over well with friends and family. Yeah. And my mom had to answer questions and my nephews are in school and like, why does your uncle hate us? And there's already a rivalry there. And it made it even more personal for me. And all I wanted to do was beat the Eagles because the Eagles have been so good for so long that there's a jealousy there of like, I wish I could have had that. Like you look at guys like Lane Johnson, me and him were drafted in the, in the, in the first round in 2013. Lane's went on to have an unbelievable career. They've won Super Bowls. Like I wanted all the things that those guys had in Philadelphia. Jason Kelsey, I mean, the list goes on and on. Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, they've had this this unit. And it's it's definitely, you're part jealous. They beat our ass. So there's been like a beat down factor. All you want to do is beat that team. That's still the goal of mine. Like, look, I could have I gone and signed with the Philadelphia Eagles this past offseason and been a bench guy and a depth reserve guy. I chose to come back to the Giants because like this means something to me, being a part of this franchise. Like, I'm a part of this fabric. If I went to Philadelphia, I'd sort of feel like a poser, like I'm jumping on those guys' bandwagon and just kind of drafting off everything they've already accomplished. So when that story came out, obviously there I was it added a lot more pressure for me to go 
be successful against the Eagles, and I've had some of my worst games against the Eagles. So, so all those things tied into one. But fortunately, you and I have gotten past that. Obviously, <laughs> you know, on the show today, but it's helped me grow because I've had to deal with adversity. Of you know, not everyone comes from not every player. Probably, Howie DeVito is like the the one standard of like growing up a Giants fan, get drafted by the hometown team. Almost every player is a mercenary, and they have to deal no, with it. He's things. not even a Giants fan, Tommy DeVito. He grew up oh, a Steelers he, fan. Really? He's a local guy, yeah. He said this uh, He said this publicly. He was on the broadcast the other day again. Yeah. Oh, I'll have to get on for that. I, I saw something about Saquon's dad. So every player deals <laughs> with Saquon is a Jets fan, for sure. Exactly. So you, you, you just got to learn it. And obviously, I got drafted to the arch rival right up the turnpike. But that's what makes football so great. I didn't realize that. I need the Philly fans. We need them to be ruthless and just so hardcore because that's what makes Giants, Eagles so great. Giants, Cowboys, Giants, Commanders. Because the fan bases are so loyal, I, I didn't realize that until I got out of it and, and realized how much I missed it. Right. It's like when you you told the story of your friends cheering when Eli threw a pick six and you could see them in the stands and the seats that you bought them. Exactly. Those guys. And, and and we've had to have those tough conversations since then. So they don't come sit in the, they come to non-Eagles games now and support me. <laughs> the straight off the couch line. Give us the little backstory behind that. Tommy DeVito was actually involved, if I remember correctly. Tommy DeVito was involved, but it was, it was his first game being active. I was just, you know, just got signed off the practice squad to the active roster. Me, Tommy DeVito, and Jalen Mayfield, which is one of our tackle guards that's, you know, been on the team this year, Michigan guy. We all had to go shoot our Sunday night football promo. So typical name, school you went to, get out, get on with your day. And I've always done Syracuse University, and I love Syracuse. I love the support. I've always, I've always represented well. But this was the first time that I'm like, I just tore my ACL. Like, I'm really not coming from Syracuse at this point. I'm coming from borderline retirement. I was just on the couch watching Sunday Night Football last week. I'm fresh off the couch. So in my head, I'm saying fresh off. off. Well, no, no. So I'll I'll, I'll explain it. So I said, I'm stressing. I'm stressing. I know the story. I'm stressing. Fresh off the couch was what I was going to go with. Me, DeVito, and Jalen are all laughing about it like little, you know, schoolboys just giggling, thinking it's hilarious that I'm dumb enough to say this on national TV. And I say it one last time, and Jalen went in before me. He comes out, and he just goes straight off the couch to me. Just it, it hit his head, and he, he gave it back to me, and he, just how he said it. And I was like, wow, that's way better than fresh off the couch. So shout out to Jalen Mayfield. He's the one that coined the straight off the couch um, so it's, it's, it kind of, I, I said it, didn't, didn't know much what would happen. I, I think people, I knew people would get a kick out of it because we were all laughing, but I didn't think it would get as big as it got. It would leave, lead to a deal with Love Sack. Now I'm, you know, sponsored by Love Sack working with them. There's another company that I may be working with here in the near future playing off that as well. Um, so it's been, it's been a fun ride. People don't even know my name. It was like, oh, it's straight off the couch guy. And uh, for real, you get that? You've gotten that now? Oh, if, if I go into New York City, if I go to eat, people won't even know who I am. They'll just be like straight off the couch guy. Like, I'll get that from <laughs> folks. And it's something that show my personality. And I think it's something that it's who I am. I love that. You, you've, you've had many conversations with me. I love to keep it lighthearted, to, to have fun with it. So I'm glad I, I got to show a glimmer of that on, on Sunday Night Football.
Okay, so you were big into the, like we mentioned before, about the the business side of stuff. So earlier in your career, your career, I assume you wouldn't have tried to capitalize off that or monetize it, or you would have. Like I would have. I was a, become... I was a finance I was a finance major okay. at Syracuse, so I've always had that inkling. I just learned more and more, and I've got more and more involved in real estate and finances and taxes post. Um, probably 2018 when, you know, you don't, you don't think football's ever going to end. And then when you have those eye opening moments, when like, you know, you leave the giants, you move somewhere else, you start to realize this, Oh, this is a business. I'm not on scholarship and I don't just get to stay here forever because I'm a good player. And that's when it really started to click for me. So what's most, what's the post career plan for Justin Pierre? I want to get into real estate development. So I wanted to build, you know, apartments. I want to build community something that I love doing now that we've talked about, you know, being a part of the O-line dinners. I want to take that concept and be able to build communities where you have, it's called activating the space where you walk in and you have a coffee shop and a barber shop and you have a little restaurant that, you know, a young couple started together and you have this sense of community where everyone walks around. You you build that from the inside out and it makes people want to live there. There's there's some cool, some cool developers. One in, in Jersey city, his name's Eric Silverman. He builds a lot of communities that he has these um, super entrepreneurial mom and pop shops underneath of all of his buildings. And it's such a cool concept. It's something I love the sense of community, if you can't tell that already. And that's what I want to build in the future. There you go. Uh, last one. We'll end on this because you, you've talked about it last week. You, you, know, you almost felt bad. Uh, Gallimore on the Cowboys kicked you, right? Yeah. Got He's good. He got fined for it. Explain through us to us the fines in the NFL. You, they fully just get deducted from your paycheck. And is, yeah. is there is there a way to write it off? Like, how do you do it? And and how about this? When coaches get fined, do you think they're actually paying the fine, or is just a team pay the fine for them? That was something that always went through my head about fines. So with players, I'll start with their first coaches. I don't know as well. Obviously, I, I haven't been on that side of it. Teams will help out in cer- certain circumstances, I'm sure. But at the end of the day, if the coach does something egregious, he's asked to pay that penalty just like the player does. Um, so the player does get fined. It does go to a charity. So the player is able to write that off. So he isn't getting fined technically the full amount uh, that you see on screen because he's getting a write-off so he saves – 40 cents on the dollar or whatever he's fine, which is, which is well, good. That's great like, call. you know, it could be nine months later. Exactly. And I mean, it's still coming out of the players' pockets. I think this year has gotten pretty egregious with some of these fines on players, running backs in particular. I think we're trying to protect and, and always emphasize player safety, which I'm a huge proponent of. I mean, what do you mean running backs? I've seen some running backs just picking up pressure, like picking up a blitzing linebacker and they're getting fined for – for lowering the helmet. Now, when it comes to yeah, the play you. in Dallas that I'm that we're referring to, obviously there was a little instigation on my part. First off, I shouldn't have let Tommy get hit from the get-go. I thought, why are they putting this 330-pound defensive tackle on the edge when I'm at left tackle? They have to be running some kind of stun or game. There's no way he's actually just gonna try to run around the corner. And he did. And I think the Cowboys were actually messed up on the play. And he hits Tommy late. And obviously, I'm protecting the quarterback. I will always do that. And I get in his face, kind of like, yeah, what do you do? And I shoved him. Not hard. And he was on the ground. So what, what do you expect the guy to do? Obviously, he wants to get back at me. 
and so that's the he, ground version of a push, right? Yeah. Yeah, and and he and he kicks me, and it wasn't a hard kick. He hit me in the stomach. He didn't hit me in the groin. Um, I, I felt bad because obviously, you know, like it's you know those are the rules, man. You can't kick guys. That's yeah. It was it was, it was a bonehead. You can't step on them. You could push. You could even grab the face mask a little bit after the play. You know, wrangle them around. You can't kick a guy. Yeah, it, optically it just looked bad, and then I, I pointed this out as well. When you see the clip, you realize he's not even wearing the proper socks, so you know he got probably <laughs> hit for a for a uniform foul as well, late hit and the kick. I mean, but you think about it, his fine I think it was like ten thousand nine nine seven seventy five was like cheaper than some of these other fines that guys are getting for playing football. So that's that's that was a little crazy to me. That's the, the fines for your uniform are crazy to me in general. Like I, I, I would never, if it's going to cost me like, you know, five, $10,000, whatever it is to like wear something that's illegal. That just sounds just wild. Like, you know, you just, just wear the right socks or whatever they're making you do for God's sake. That, that will never make sense to me either. I know guys that have eaten that fine, like every game for their entire career. And I'm just like, you're just giving away hundreds of thousands of dollars. That, that one will never make sense. And if I ever see it, I will always call guys out. Cause I'm like, Please just don't give away the money. Like I'll go get you socks right now. What's the most egregious one you've seen? You saw? You know, you have guys like I think it was James Jones and the Green Bay Packers. He like first wore a hoodie under his hat. Yeah, and then that was just something that I've seen. I'm just like, come on, you have to realize that that that's not going to work out. The socks are are not. I don't see them as a big deal, but I realize there's a slippery slope, and teams have to have uniforms. We are getting paid millions if not billions of dollars from from companies like nike that go into our salary cap and actually pay our salary so you have to realize why there are these rules in place they're not just trying to be bad cop it's because there's billions of dollars behind it that actually go into paying our salaries that's why we have to dress a certain way so when you sit back and look at it from that perspective you're like all right this this makes sense we're used to high school and college you wear whatever you want because you're not getting paid so it doesn't matter so you want to just look cool and now there's this battle if i want to look cool shout out Deion sanders look good play good play good get paid good that's always been instilled in us but also like we got to, to to play good and get paid the money comes from nike who wants us to look a certain way on the field it's always about the money that's why you should listen to justin Pugh. network with justin Pugh. Uh, podcasts on all everywhere you can find your podcast, any podcast network you could find it. Uh, appreciate your time, man. Good luck. I uh, and finish out the year strong, all right? Let's do it. Look at us coming a long way. Now we're doing each other's podcast. I appreciate it, Jordan. Look, it's a it's full circle. Everything comes full circle. I, I if if somebody had to say to me Justin Pugh would be back with the Giants, I probably would have bet against it. And we, I know. I probably would have bet against it too. But here we are. Maybe Thanks maybe so I won't man. leave next year either. Maybe I'll stick around for another year. Let's go. <laughs> Always open for my end. Obviously, I don't pay you, but uh, you know, so I have no say in that whatsoever. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. On to the next one. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play.
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right. That was a fun interview right there. Let's wrap this up here. That was a lengthy interview, though. So we're going to make this real quick. I usually finish with a Jordan on a beat where I tell you what it's like to cover the Giants' work for ESPN or cover the NFL in general. And this year, the Giants are not part of the Thanksgiving schedule. So the best part about Thanksgiving to me is sitting there all day and watching football. Now, I haven't really gotten that much into the night game. I almost feel like the night game is a little too much, right? The two games, you got the, the 12, 1230, whatever it is, Lions game, followed by the four-ish, four o'clock-ish Cowboys game, you know, that that's that. That suffice to me. That that's my, I get my fill. Like that Cowboys game will take me almost until eight o'clock. I'm tired. I ate all day. You got to drive home. Like that's a good day of football. Now, as far as actual holiday, I'm on record as saying I think Thanksgiving a little bit overrated because I'm not the, the turkey in general. Like if you go to a restaurant, 364 other days of the year, you're gonna order another meat if you want some kind of meat instead of turkey. I mean, hey, we even order chicken before we do turkey, and then forget like you know cowboy ribeye. Uh, filet, uh, prime rib, sausage, you name it. We take it all over turkey. So that's my quick little take on Thanksgiving. But enjoy the football because the football part of it is great. You get to sit around, watch the football with family, eat, drink the sides. I like the sides on Thanksgiving. The sides are better than the actual meat, generally, in my opinion. But the football is the highlight of it. You get to sit around with the family, Everybody gets to watch football all day. Even if you're not watching, it's almost like it's on in the background. But it's always there. You're always keeping an eye on it. So enjoy it all. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Appreciate everyone, as always, for listening to this podcast, Breaking Big Blue. Like, subscribe, tell your friends. We need to keep this growing. Thank you again for being part of this. You're listening to Breaking Big Blue. I'm Jordan Ronan. See you next time.